Hey, thank you for joining us today as we discuss the ins and the outs and, and the roller coaster ride of, well, pretty much the state of education in the US uh, today, especially as we look to the summer and, and the next academic year. As one of the largest after-school providers in the country, you know, we're constantly reassessing how we can support and, and partner with our school districts um, as, as they navigate this. And I'm sorry, I'm just going to have to say this word, unprecedented. It is. We're in unprecedented times. So I know you've heard it about 15 times today already, but we're in unprecedented times. And, and our job is to try and support our school districts and provide the best after school and before school programs in the country. With me today is my co-host Dawn Bridges, uh, who is going to try and keep the conversation down one path. Good luck with that, Dawn. Do you want to say hi, actually, quickly? Say hi. I'm going to say hello. It's exciting to be here with you, Andrew. And I think that I am up for the charge and task of keeping you on one straight path. So... Godspeed. Uh, so we're going to get cracking. Our, our first guest today needs absolutely no introduction. So, so you know, he's not going to get one. Uh, just kidding. Uh, he was the National Superintendent of the Year 2020. Uh, by the time he left his previous district, 40%, 40% of his principals were people of color and two thirds of the administration. And that's just a phenomenal number. But most importantly, he's just an absolute legend. So uh, we're so glad to have you. Please welcome Gustavo Badales. So Gustavo, how are you doing? How are you doing in all of this? You know, I think it's uh, I think we're all tired. I I call it being (laughs) going through battle fatigue. It feels like, you know, I've never been a in the military, but what I hear is just, it feels like battle fatigue, you know, doing, doing well as we're all, you know, 14,000 districts across the United States, we're all, mm-hmm. we're all doing the right work. And as, as I've been saying, you know, of those 14,000 superintendents, we're all superintendents of the year this year because <laughs> right. everybody, everybody needs, everybody needs that honor because we're all doing the best we can. Oh my goodness. Right. Yeah. And there's, and it's constantly changing, isn't it? And you know, it is unprecedented. We're just going through this, trying to make the best of it. Um, so uh, we, we're going to talk today a bit about systems and people and how this idea that these two things that, uh, you know, we would usually consider kind of different actually work so well together and they need to work so well together. So, um, I don't you and I, right, Andrew, like we work so well together, oh, right? Yes, yes. But we have no systems. Just kidding. We have tons <laughs> of systems. Um, but, uh, we just want to know what has been your process so far in navigating the pandemic? What, what has Edmunds been doing, um, to, to try and get to grips with what's going on in the world? Well, like every district has been just, we've had a, and I know there's another P word, the, uh, the pivot, Pivot. everybody's had a P, everybody's had a pivot, right? Everybody's had a pivot during the (laughs) pandemic and it's, uh, and we've had, and we've really had to really ensure that we have our meet the needs of our kids. But what the pandemic's really caused is really to spotlight the inequities that have always been present outside of our school walls that weren't inside our brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. So it should really put a spotlight regarding the connectivity. And I truly believe that broadband is basic education. And, and that's something that we should all fight for at a federal level. Because right. again, uh, we just expect kids to be able to get logged on and do A, B, and C as homework. And kids, you know, we, we, we've gotten to know that 
we don't we didn't have that access. So we've had to really work hard to provide kids that ability. And and even now it's we're we're seeing some issues because again we have all our kids with broadband, but there's connectivity issues because of multiple uh, kids in a household all battling for the same you know service. So mm-hmm. it, it's again we still need to continue to work through that. Another thing that we've had to do is we had to do is really just accumulate a lot more technology and train right. staff and technology very, very quickly. And that's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us because I think for us, the use of technology in the future, this has really changed the way we're going to do our business. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I truly don't think we're going to go back to the way it was. Right. I think this is just an opportunity for us to grow and have more blended classroom space. And I'm ex- that's, that's exciting. And also the ability to be able to train staff because we had to, and now staff are are more familiar and more accustomed to working on an online platform. I think that's phenomenal as well. Oh we hit the nail on the head with saying the word opportunity. That's what I was waiting for. And <laughs> you it because you're right. The landscaping of education really at this time is pivotal in moving this in the right direction. So yes, thank you. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so what are the areas that you're focusing on in preparation for next year? Well, the summer <laughs> first, because we've got the summer first. And then next year, what are you what are you guys focusing in on? You know, what what our focus is really on social emotional care for just right. not our kids but our but our staff. Mm-hmm. Because it's been a trauma. This is one of those ACE events that you hear about. This has actually caused a trauma for our community and making sure that we that we're taking uh, mental care of our of our kiddos. I mean, these are our youngest, and uh, and also our our staff because mm-hmm. no one signed up to do this. Kids didn't sign up to do this. Teachers, nor did parents. Mm-hmm. And you know, parents have had to be become teachers very quickly at home. It's uh, dealing with the social, emotional needs of our community. What I've said to folks is, I want to finish with the kids that I started with in September and June. That's my number right. one goal. That's right. my number one goal. Just get them across the finish line and make sure they're getting taken care of mentally, physically. And uh, we've done a great job of that uh, in terms of the system, but also making sure that, again, we know there's learning loss. Make sure that we, we limit the learning loss and also start planning for the future. You mentioned summer school, just summer extensions, and also mm. interventions next year to make up for the learning loss that is taking place across all the levels. And across the U.S., you know, I heard a statistic from another uh, meeting I was in last week. You know, three million kids are unaccounted for. Three right. million, three million right. kids. So, you know, where are these kids? They're not in our schools. Maybe they're being homeschooled. Again, uh, there's been a lot of, it's, yeah, there's a heavy impact on our on our students. And we need to make sure that we do the best we can to, to mitigate any loss that we have. But number one, making sure that they're taking care of uh, just emotionally, because we know that there is a need. And again, there's higher levels of suicidal ideation, uh, right. depression. We, we know that because yeah. that's the research. And, we, and I see that here in my community. So we need to make sure that we connect kids. And we're trying to do that right now with reentry of hubs. We, we're starting sports here next week in terms of some conditioning here at Edmonds mm-hmm. and just getting back to some level of normal. Kids right. just want to go back to some right. level of normal, right? Oh my gosh, right. Yeah. So um as we kind of think about, you know, and we and we consider normal as, you know, being in person, like, you know, uh schools as they were, right? You know, and of course now we've got the addition of technology that's kind of coming in. Um, but what are you prioritizing as you guys plan for kids coming back in person? So we're prioritizing our kids furthest from educational justice, meaning the kids most in need. And we started off with uh, 
in different phases, but our first phase is really working with our kids most in need that receives that are in special programs. A deaf or hard and hearing, visually impaired, mm-hmm. our developmental kindergarten, intensive support kids. Those are the kids that are in building right now in small groups of small pods. And we also had a, a hub for our kids that are unhoused. They're, that, are, that are currently serving 25 to 30 kids every day in a hub model where there's food, washer and dryer, it's, it, it's, it's internet service. So there's somewhere where these kids that are, that are unhoused are able to go and actually, again, do their work. Because it's, uh, right. it's it, again, going back to basic ed, it's, uh, people forget that, uh, in, for example, my last district, we had 1,600 kids that were that qualified for McKinney Mental Services, which are kids that, again, are – are homeless. Right. So in here, I think we under-identify in this district. I think we have roughly 700 kids or so here. I think we under-identify here. So there's a lot of kids don't have a home. So, and without school, where are they doing their schoolwork? Right. right? So right. Making sure it, basic, basic needs. So that's what we're focusing on now. And also looking at trying to bring back some of our youngest learners, our kindergarten, first and second grade. That's a lot of the districts around the Seattle area where I'm at. Right. I think a positive, another positive that's come from this is I feel like there's been a, a, a nice light that's um, been shined on what's happening in schools because, you know, parents and, and adults often don't recognize the amount of basic support in need, food, shelter, um, you know, those mm-hmm. things that we also in education provide for kids. It's not just going to school and getting, you know, reading, writing and arithmetic. It really is about treating and, and caring for that whole child. And so it's yeah. really exciting to hear about the great things that you um, are doing in many superintendents across the country in order to, to meet those basic needs for students. And their Don, thanks for saying that because our nutrition service department has been phenomenal. I think we've distributed close to 1.7 million meals since March 13th. So 1.7 wow. million meals. It, 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 and, and I'm getting older, right? So I always go back to the old McDonald's sign, like one million served. That's a ton of meat. That's a ton of food. We're giving out to kids. And again, so just uh, just kudos to uh, all the support departments that are support in our broader community because it's just not us. I think what this has done, and I appreciate the word opportunity, Don, because that is absolutely right. It's an opportunity. It's 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 built more bridges with collaborators in our community mm-hmm. to do the right thing, including mm-hmm. right at school. Our, our child care providers for our families, for example, have been instrumental in supporting our community. So we've come together as, as a community with partners to ensure we're meeting the needs of just not only the kids, but the broader community. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, I mean, Gustavo, honestly, like we are, this is, it's phenomenal to be able to have you as a guest because, you know, we look at the people in, in our schools and we know that equity is a huge, huge issue across America right now. It's a huge, huge trigger word. And, and as we look to, um, how we, uh, provide better equity for our kids and how we understand people who aren't like us, um, what are, what are you doing, um, to, um, make, uh, equity, uh, make, make it, um, what's the question? What am I asking here? What am I asking here, Dawn? Tell me, what am I asking? <laughs> uh, 
I'm so glad that I'm here to help Because <laughs> it's, it's right on the edge of my tongue. And, I don't, and really, you're right. Equity is it's because things are challenging and access is very difficult. And so how it. are you working? Because as we know, with students, I mean, you talked earlier, Gustavo, about, um, you know, you're getting in your youngest learners. You're getting those in with special needs, right? But the gap, there's gaps that are still continuing to widen through this process. And so how are how are you working and what are your priorities to work to meet to continue to work to close those gaps, but yet still have an equitable experience um, for, for all kids? Thanks for asking that question. And to me, you know, equity is often an over term. In the simplest terms, I, I, I define equity as making sure we have access, opportunity and inclusion for all kids right. and then having having a sense of accountability to that metric. So basically having metrics, using data to help inform our decision-making. If there is a secret sauce for school improvement, right? I can take any shelf off a book that's a best practice. It's how you implement it. Right. And it's about systems right. and people. It really right. is about systems and people and have everybody own the work. Everybody has to own the work. And I don't use the word buy-in because you shouldn't have to sell something that we all should be doing, right? Correct. So I use ownership. We need to own our equity work. And equity is ensuring that we have access, opportunity, and inclusion for all our kids across K-12, so here PK through, through 12, and ensuring that we are holding the systems accountable. Mm -hmm. And again, we can't hold our more accountable than the adults in the system. That's right. also something that we have to be crystal clear about. So to me, it's a collective sense of agency to ensure that we do the best we can for our kids. It's about people and again, systems, and they are married. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna talk a little bit, maybe I can talk a little bit about systems if I could. Yeah. So, so, so for systems is ensuring that, again, it, it, there is secret sauce, ensuring that you have articulation throughout the system, you use data to help inform everything you do it's really having the backbone to your you know whatever backbone you use for your instructional framework is making sure that you have interventions extensions and truly is looking at data a perfect example is i hired a high school principal three years ago th three or four years ago i hired a high school principal of my lowest performing high school and i told him and he and i had to recruit him i recruit everywhere i go and i recruited him and said hey you know what i expect you to do this you're the right guy for the job in two years, he improved that high school graduation rate by 16 percentage points. Wow. 16. Wow. So leadership matters. Leadership mm -hmm. matters. We need to make sure we have the right people leading and making sure you have the right systems for interventions, extensions, and are just making sure we're taking care of our kids. And knowing every kid by name, strength, and need is essential. Right. I think that that's a cornerstone of a successful system where I can go anywhere and you know which kids need what and we're providing that, you're going to have success. So, and then having the leaders to be able to guide a system, guide their schools to be able to, again, wrap the whole staff around a student body. That's, that's the power of the system. And also, again, don't forget the parents and broader community. You need them on board in terms of the support. So it's the unified vision and collaboration to ensure that we're meeting the needs of every kid. And truly, that's where you see change. And I saw, you know, I've only been here seven months. That's what I saw in Eugene, Oregon, where mm. I was at. You know, I left that district. You know, uh, one of the goals for my board was to diversify the workforce. When I left, I had 40% of my building leaders were building leaders of color. 40% mm. in a community that was 20% of color and a uh, school demographic community that was 30% kids of color. So, you know, we yeah. did that. And, and also, 
we improved our graduation rate. You know, we improved it by 14 percentage points. Actually, just got a phone call from uh, my previous deputy said improved by 4.2 percent more. So literally 18 percent over five years. That's incredible. That's and, incredible. And that's that's the closing the gaps, right? That's the mm-hmm. closing of the gap. But also, we close the opportunity gap because Latino kids were at 20 percentage points. Our kids in special programs, 20 percentage points. Kids navigating poverty at 20 percentage points. That was the closing of the gap. So we just, we we raised the bar, but we also closed the gaps by the infusion of systems. Wow. Well, and I think too, just listening to you, it, it makes me think about, you know, in your leadership, you know, starting with the why and, and recognizing that your staff at every level, right from the board table all the way to the classroom and kids, they have purpose, a sense mm-hmm. of purpose um, and a collective purpose for them to be able to work hard and to, and to build. And, and, and we know, you know, in, in our organization, it really is about how do you work to build kids up? How do you work to build that staff? up and keep staff and keep exciting them and invigorating them because that's where you see, you know, the results. And it's so hard. And every time I have conversations with administrators or teachers, it's they can't wrap themselves around these kiddos. It's very difficult um, having to do it in a remote fashion. And um, but I know that they're all working their hardest to make to make whatever situation they are in across the country work. Yeah, absolutely, Don. And what we did here in, in Edmonds is, you know, we started with uh, some digital assessments. And, and I know it, the timing was off, but at the end of the day, we didn't have a centralized system of assessments that was working to see where kids are at. So, again, it's it's really imperative that we and we all know this as leaders is we know where kids are at so we can give them what they need. Right. Absolutely. Right. Academically, mentally, socially, all of that, like the whole, yeah, whole, whole child. Yeah. yeah. You're so right, Don. It, it, it is the whole child. It's, a, it's wrapping around around what the kid needs to support. Because again, if you meet their needs, they're going to be more successful. We know that. Right. Absolutely. So it's just understanding what that looks like. Absolutely. Do you think, and this is an insert, sorry, and I'll turn it back to, to Andrew, but I am curious. Um, you know, where do you think state assessments are going to go? Where do you think national assessments are going to go after through all this? I, I recognize there's a means, obviously, for, you know, informing instruction and, and really, you know, working to build and make sure that they're meeting, you know, standards. But where do you think that that's going to go in the future? Do you think it's going to change? I hope it changes. I mean, I think there's a place for everything. And to me, so the way I view assessments or summative assessments, I call them the autopsy report, right? <laughs> yeah. You literally, you get them at the very end. At the end of the day, I don't worry so much about summative assessments. If we're doing our good first teaching and doing it well, mm. then, then then the the end result is the state assessment. So I don't worry so much about that. So my point is, again, I worry of the day-to-day instruction that's happening every day in a classroom and doing the best we can and supporting our staff with the right professional development so that they can meet the needs of our kids. And then the summative assessments, state assessments, they take care of themselves. Right. Yeah, they, they take care of themselves. Right. Uh, uh, we're excited to partner with you as you navigate this pandemic and, and pivot and all the challenges of the next academic year. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. And you are a true gentleman. You are a true star and gentleman. Thank you so very much. You're kind. You're kind. Both of you are so kind. Thank you for having me. We wish you all the best this next school year, or the rest of the school year, and uh, in the summer and next fall as well. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Don. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. So uh, 
Join us at next time as we continue to talk about what the challenges, what challenges this pandemic is bringing to school districts uh, across the country. Stay tuned. <laughs>